Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking with James Guerin, the founder, publisher and editor-in-chief of Berlin Quarterly. This is our first episode of 2018, but I met up with him last year when I was over in Berlin to give a talk about independent magazines at Soho House. James came along with the rest of his team and we arranged to meet up the next morning to record this conversation. I was really excited to meet him in person because I've been a big fan of Berlin Quarterly right from issue one. It's a brilliant literary and arts magazine and it was really interesting to hear him talking about his inspiration for the title, especially when he started taking out vintage copies of the Paris Review and the New Yorker and speaking about how he's making this print magazine with one eye on how it will be read and understood in the future. He also speaks about the way that he just fell into making this magazine, and I think you can hear that he's just a natural editor. Listen to the last five minutes and you'll hear how he turns things around and starts interviewing me at the end. It was great fun seeing him and the rest of the team, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation with James Guerin from Berlin Quarterly. James, good morning. Thank you very much for having me here. Good morning, Steve, and welcome to Berlin. It's great, it's great to have you here. <laughs> Waking up in Berlin this morning, it's, a, it's beautiful. It's a lovely sunny city this morning. Yeah, we have a lot of sunshine here. It gets very cold in the winter, but... Uh, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. I was expecting snow this trip, but it's not delivered. Uh, I think if you wait for a couple of days, it'll be here. All right, okay. You, of course, are the publisher and editor-in-chief of Berlin Quarterly. Yes. So tell us, first of all, what is Berlin Quarterly? Berlin Quarterly is a... Actually, a biannual. Uh, um, so there's a so there's a thing right from the off. Yeah, it's, it's not very, quarterly. It's, it's very Berlin. It's a it's a biannual uh, literary quarterly that has poetry, fiction, long form reportage, um, nonfiction, and um, yeah, we we come out twice a year, but we may increase that if as time goes by to to maybe four times per year. So the, was the intention at the beginning you were going to make a quarterly and then you were like, hang on, this is bloody difficult doing four in a year? If I've got to be perfectly honest, yes, that was the intention. <laughs> and uh, it's actually very, very difficult even to, to, to do two. Yeah. When you think it's like um, six months and uh, it takes almost a month once you've finished everything to get it printed. So you really have a very short period of time yeah. to, put, to put everything together. So, so, so it's Berlin quarterly. It's not quarterly. It's also not about Berlin. Exactly. Yeah. So, there's a lot of um, uh, contradictions there. No, it's 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 called Berlin Quarterly because we're in Berlin. I've I've personally I've lived in Berlin since 1994, um, and um, it's more for me. Berlin was always more of a state of mind than a physical place. It's where people could come from all over Germany and all over Europe now and the world as well, but where they could be free to express themselves in, in the way they wanted to without any prejudice or without any um, social pressure to fit in in any way. So we, I want to sort of capture that spirit here and then look out to the wider world uh, at, at different issues and different places with that sort of uh, state of mind. Because, yeah, I mean, like you'll include stories from China and, exactly. and I mean, literally yeah. all around the world. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we try to, to not preach to our readers or not say this is what you should think about this or this is what you should think about this issue. We try and sort of take snapshots of different issues and, and let the readers sort of absorb it and come to their own conclusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so how did this whole thing come together? What's your background and how do you end up making this mag? Okay, it's a long story. I'm an engineer, I'm Irish. I've lived in Berlin since 1994. I got 
I came here to to work on a project uh, in my early in my mid twenties, and um, I sort of fell in love with the city and uh, and the way people live here, and um, I'm still here. So around five years ago, um, an editor from Milan, uh, Cesare Alemania, was in Berlin to interview me because I have another business here as well, which I which I run about Berlin and about the spirit of Berlin and we got talking and um, I told him that I have a passion for print and a passion for literature and I w- uh, that I wanted to start a magazine, something along the lines of Grantha or the Paris Review or you know, the sort of things I was reading a lot at the time, but you know I wasn't really sure how to do it and, and he said well he, he wanted to do the same thing so we, he wasn't really sure how to do it either so we, we sort of got our heads together and um, it took us about eight months to get the first issue out, uh, and um, and uh, yeah, we learned a lot in the process. And, and is he still involved there. in the magazine? No, he we did four f- uh, four issues together, mm-hmm. and he's moved back to Milan now, and he's he's working uh, working on other uh, other magazines and on other projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it was a, it was a steep learning curve, and um, and, and very exciting, and um, and. Uh, if you told me back then that we would be just publishing our seventh issue, I, w- I would have been very happy because it's, it's very happy. <laughs> it's very hard to sustain a project like this. Every every new issue is really like a, a miracle. It's not a it's not something that generates profits, or a, or it's hard to keep it together and hard to keep it moving forward. So I'm very happy that we've got as far as seven, and uh, I think we can look forward and hopefully make it to fifty. Fifty. There's an ambition. Yeah. And we're surrounded by uh, all of these beautiful old magazines. I, I take it this is inspiration for the for what you're doing now. Yeah, I have a, a passion for for books and for um, and um, old magazines. And from a very young age, I grew up in an age before the internet, so um, it was a very exciting part of my week as a kid to cycle to the local store and pick up my weekly comics or whatever it was at the time and you have a kind of a nostalgia for that if you like even when I came to Berlin first there was no internet and it would be on a Sunday morning taking a a train for 30 minutes to go to to the main station to pick up the observer or something it was sort of like a highlight of of the week because there was no internet that's where you got your news you got there was tv but it was in in German so you know to have something in my hand that I could read and read the commentary of what was going on in the world was was very important for me. And so but the stuff we've got here is not new, so you, you've got beautiful so, so copies of the Paris Review. So I have, I have the first five copies of the Paris Review, Wow. Uh, which I constantly keep close to me because it's an inspiration. And even when I look when I look at them, I think it's, it's like spring 1953, the first issue, and uh, I wonder what were they thinking when they were putting this together? Uh, <laughs> and and uh, did they imagine it would turn into something that would still be going uh, 50 years later? Uh, which it is, and um, my my hope would be that somebody would pick up Berlin Quarterly in f- fifty years' time and think, uh, "Well, what were these people doing in in Berlin in in two thousand and fourteen or two thousand fifteen? Why were they making a print magazine, or what? Why did they feel they needed to do that in the internet age?" And the thing about a print magazine is that, that you know, especially if you print it in a high quality, people don't throw it away. It ends up in a bookshelf. It you know, it ends up in a second-hand bookstore, maybe somewhere in some corner of the world, and um, I think that's that's kind of a reason for 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 me to, yeah. to, to create so, I mean, to create in print because the internet is fantastic. I mean, you have every information, every literature, everything at your fingertips. It's it's amazing. Uh, you're, 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 
you, you don't need to have a huge library of books anymore. You can you, f you can have it all with you. So, to do s and but that kind of gets lost in the ether. It'll be gone in ten years time. Maybe or you, it'll still be there, but you won't be able to find it in mm. the same way. So to do a print magazine for me, that was sort of part of the reason. But of course, you can print something really beautifully, uh, which we we do. I hope, but it's, that's not enough. It needs to be fantastic content as well. Mm -hmm. it, it can't just be a, a pretty book. It has to have original content and something that maybe you can't find on the internet. And so the, so this ambition then, this, this desire to create a snapshot of time mm. that people will come back to later, that obviously influences the sort of thing that you want to put in there. Because Absol if, you're, you know, if, if you're creating this thing for, say, your kids to, to come to you in 20, 30, 40 years, mm. what do you want them to be seeing about this time? What is it that makes you want to put a story in the magazine? It, it, it needs, for me, it needs to be something that, that is I'm, that we are think as an editorial team in our in our in our group that we're thinking about or we're concerned about, or it's migration or whether it's fracture or, or how or the division division between people. It's like what's happening in Europe at the moment in Catalonia and Scotland and Brexit, mm. that you know, and the division within people or whatever is the sort of zeitgeist for the, at the time. It is it's important to try and capture that, and it's not something that I think we consciously do. Every, every new issue sort of grows organically and it comes, it, it grows sort of out of what we're thinking or what's in our minds rather mm. than consciously focusing on one topic. That's interesting because the experience of reading it also feels like y y the, the organic growth mm. seems to come through and mm. the, I mean, one of the things that I love about the magazine is the way that you'll have uh, like say poetry and prose and photography and, and all of these different things mm. which might have little themes that maybe echo each other or develop each other so you'll read uh, a, a, an essay about mm. something and then like you know 50 pages later you get a poem mm. and there's a there's a thought of like hang on is that is that speaking to that deliberately or, or was yeah, it just absolutely, kind of absolutely you know what it is when there's kind of a loose thread going through every issue that sometimes it can be hard to figure out by people maybe but it's kind of there for sure and sometimes leading on to the next issue as well mm. that each I think in nearly every issue we have had one piece or one article or one uh, poetry section that sort of give a hint to the next issue. Again, not consciously, it just, you know, it just grow, grew like that, yeah. It's the way it's come together. Yeah. The way, so when you look back at the, so did you say we're seven issues in yeah, here? Yeah, we just published the seventh issue. So seventh is just out. Hmm? When you look back at that, is there one that stands out for you as like, do you know what, we nailed it with that one? Um. Uh, there's a few and uh, for different reasons. The, the one I, we, we did one on Beirut, which was uh, very special for me because before I um, started Berlin Quarterly, I, I worked a lot internationally and I was a lot in, in Lebanon and Beirut and I sort of loved loved the country and the people and the diversity there. And um, to do an issue based around uh, Beirut was, was very nice for me. And that was the one where you had Ibrahim from Ibrahim, the Outpost. Ibrahim came in and was the guest editor and put it all together. Uh, and, and that was about 50% of the issue. And the other 50% sort of wasn't connected directly, but it sort of all fitted together really nicely. And, and I know that he's here in Berlin a lot of the time. How, lot, how did yeah. that come together for you two? Um, well, at the time, uh, the editor that was working with me, Cezra, knew him. And, and we all met and we sat down and we could see there was a good... Um, synergy between us and we were very confident that he was the right guy to, to talk about Beirut mm, yeah. mm. So. 
Yeah, I know that he's got another project kind of bubbling away at the moment. Which yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I just loved his, his previous publication, um, The Outpost. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, was, that was really great. Yeah, yeah. I think he stopped doing that now. He, so he, he stopped that, and, uh, and as I say, the last I heard from him, he was working on an exciting new thing. So okay. I guess we're all just waiting for no, I, the no, big reveal now. Now you've got my curiosity. <laughs> I'm going to find out. So tell us about issue seven then. What, what can people expect to see in there? So uh, we've, in our previous issue, we looked a lot at, um, in our sixth issue, we looked a lot at migration and Mexico and and the war between Mexico and the United States. And we managed to do the full issue without mentioning... Uh, the T word. The T word, <laughs> which was very important. Uh, to, to write around that and, or create a content around that without actually mentioning it or without talking about it to show the other side, uh, kind of different side. And it was a very kind of a Latin American, Spanish kind of a feel to that issue. So for this issue, we wanted to look more East, uh, Eastern Europe and um, no, nowhere specifically, but we kind of, you know, we went out and looked at what what what's interesting to us in those in those regions, and um, so it has a more European, Eastern European feel to it than than, than the last the previous issue. Um, we have a main reportage uh, based around the electronic music scene in Bucharest, um, which. I had a vague idea about it. There's a very big scene here in Berlin uh, with Berkheim and uh, a lot of international DJs. But something different was going on in Bucharest in Romania. You hear about it, uh, raw minimal uh, music. It's kind of a different style. It's not so hedonistic. It's more introspective. But I didn't really know that much about it. And, and I met William Ralston, who's a, a British writer uh, in, in music. And um, we were talking about it. and. Eventually, we decided that we would send him there for a month. Mm-hmm. And just a month, really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. And he sat there for a month and uh, investigated the whole scene and the history of it. And, and got a massive got, hangover, no doubt. I'm sure he has. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice assignment. And um, yeah, and, uh, and and he sort of went really in deep into into the background and how it came about and what and what it's about right now. And um, it's like a fifteen thousand word uh, reportage. Uh, and th- and this is something that Berlin Quarterly is renowned for. Like the you know when you do a long story, it's long. You do a long story. Yeah. Well, this one was was even longer at the beginning. William came back and he had twenty five thousand words, and that would have been half of the issue. So we had to sit down and uh, with our editorial team, and especially Hannah Gold, who who did an amazing job, like just going through it and editing it and and trying to take get the essence out of it. Which is sometimes very hard for a writer. He wants everything in there. Yeah, yeah. So we we, we managed to edit it to fifteen thousand words, and I think it's 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 a very strong piece. Yeah, we like to to do original reportage on on a subject, send somebody somewhere to find out what's going on there, and um, that hasn't been done before. And um, yeah, it's an important part of Bring Quarterly. This this long read that it takes you. An hour, an hour to read it or, Which, not, or uh, it, it takes me a couple of sittings I, yeah, I have yeah. to, to come back to it yeah. but that's not a bad thing I think no I think that's great because uh, when you read something on the internet or when you read something even in a newspaper it's you get in fast information but it's not it's, it's a different reading experience I think that when you really read an in-depth uh, long reportage the New Yorker does it very well that was sort of an inspiration that you're reading and reading and you keep turning the page thinking this is going to finish now <laughs> and it's not it keeps going on and on until you see this black square punctuation to say you're you're finished and you breathe a little sigh of relief but it's you know with 15,000 words is, is like a, is a long read mm. so that's you know it's you can really look deeply into a subject 
Yeah. You mentioned Hannah just now, so she's the editor on the magazine. Well, we've had uh, we've had a group we've had a group of different editors over the years. Cesare was originally editor working with me, and then we've had um, uh, Jeff Wood and John Koromaki, uh, and then Hannah came along as non-fiction editor, and then with a group of three. So going forward to the next issue, we'll probably take it back down to just me and one editor, probably Hannah, uh, to, to focus uh, on an issue, on the next couple of issues. But we would bring back in John or Jeff if it was a specific team, like uh, John is very strong in Indian subcontinent and Sri Lanka and the writers and the publishers there and, um, and Jeff in other areas. So, we, we, you know, we, we bring in guest editors as, as we need them. That's um, interesting. I, I didn't realize that the team would flex in that way. Yeah, it's very to flexible. It's very flexible. Yeah, and and as people people are transient, so people are sometimes people are, are moving away for a year and then they come back. Or, so it's we're sort of open. But we've, I guess, I'm the the as editor in chief, keep the consistency or keep the sort of a uh, feel of the magazine. You're the through line. You're the thing holding it all together. Uh, well, hopefully, <laughs> as an engineer, you go. You got to be able to do that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm an engineer and uh, I I run a my Berlin Quarterly is 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 it's not my only um, outlet. So I I also have a um, development company here in Berlin and we we do architectural projects and buildings. And it's actually a very similar process. People probably think he's doing Berlin Quarterly and he's doing real estate development. It's two different worlds, but it's actually very similar because you have a creative to to make a building you have a you have the creative side in the architecture you have a commercial side a technical side and a distribution side it's the very same in in publishing you have to you have to um the artistic side you need to be to technically know what you're doing and it has to be commercially viable in some way and you have to distribute it so it's you're making something it's like it's i think i have an urge to make things yeah. and create things that that stay in the world yeah, yeah, and when you're looking back over these seven issues that you've made, and you've obviously seen, you know, independent magazine publishing has changed a lot in the last few years. Mm-hmm. What's the thing that you haven't been able to do yet that you would really like to do? I think it, it was a very interesting uh, learning curve uh, for me. I had to learn it from zero, basically. Um, and I think we, we really understand everything in the business now, except how to get advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, a project like this has to be sustainable long term. It, it's it's very hard. You, you're sort of fighting from issue to issue uh, to keep it going. Um, and I think every independent publisher has the same issue. If you, if you could get um, even four pages of high quality advertising that would help to pay for the printing or something, it would be very helpful. But that's something we haven't really attacked yet really or looked at in detail but I think for the future if we want to get to 50 issues we're going to have to deal with that at some point yeah soon yeah okay all right so uh, any potential advertisers out there they should drop absolutely. you a line absolutely and um it was interesting you talk about the, the independent publishing scene I wasn't really aware of it when we started this I was aware of the magazines that I like to read myself like the White Review the New Yorker the New Yorker Review of Books uh, Granta but and, and maybe the scene wasn't so evolved five or six years ago but I, I just wanted to to make something that was sort of a combination of all those uh, periodicals, but it seems now in the last five or six years there's been a, an explosion of independent publishing. Absolutely. Where do you think that's come from? Oh God! The, well, my my big thing is I I think that 
um, it's enabled by technology and I think that it's the same impulse um, that makes people want to make YouTube videos or make like songs on Bandcamp is the same impulse that makes people want to make a print magazine. That's very interesting because it's not it's not um, a nostalgia for print. It's actually part of the technology. That's the, that, that's. I mean, the, I I think that it, it gets uh, kind of misunderstood slightly because mm. the output is analog. The the output is a piece of print. Yeah. But the the impulse behind it, I think, is. I mean, it's kind of irrelevant, really. That you know, people love print and they want to make something, as you say, that it goes into the world and stays in the world. But I I don't think that fundamentally. It's about, you know, I remember the good old days yeah. and I want to make something from the good old days. I think that the technology and the availability of technology has, has, has made it possible, like Creative Cloud. Everybody can get all of this software now and use it that maybe 15 years ago you would have to be a big publishing house to even to, to even have the access to that. Right, so exactly. So a couple of kids and students can... can make something of the same quality as uh, a big publishing company. Exactly, you just start tinkering around with this software yeah. and if there's something you don't know how to do, you watch a video yeah. on YouTube and it shows you how to do the thing. And mm. I mean, so, some of the most exciting magazines that I've seen come out in the last couple of years mm. have been by people who have got absolutely no experience of making a magazine. Yeah. And that, that brings with it all sorts of rough edges but actually, you know, the and, and, and actually, you've got to say, all sorts of mags that probably aren't really as good as they could be. Mm -hmm. But then within that, you get the real diamonds. And yeah. that's, that's where I think it's the most exciting stuff. Yeah, and I think it's exciting as well with print that it's sort of cast in stone. Once it's printed, it's you can't change it. Yeah. So you have to have a level of perfection. You know, that every letter, every comma, every apostrophe is correctly positioned. There and, you go. Yeah, and I think that gives a lot of pleasure as well to once it's there it's it's there forever exactly and exactly. Uh, it does take a tremendous amount of work to, to get it to get it there but it's very satisfying then once you've once you have it in your hand well James congratulations on doing it seven times I'm looking forward to seeing you get to 50 <laughs> I hope I'm still around right, we'll, to see that we'll have to start getting uh, bi-monthly or quarterly definitely <laughs> quarterly um, thanks for making time thanks to Steve it's great to have you in Berlin Okay, that's all for this week. I love this idea of publishing for posterity and James and the team are doing a fantastic job of it. We delivered Berlin Quarterly to our subscribers way back in November 2016. If you'd like to receive the most exciting independent magazines as selected by us, head to stackmagazines.com and choose from our subscription options that start from just £7 or €15 Euros or $15 per month, including delivery. Or if you're not quite ready for that yet, you can subscribe to our podcast for free. Just search for Stack Magazines on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever else you go for your podcasts and sign up there. And if you're on iTunes, it would be really brilliant if you could rate the podcast too. Apple has just released its podcast analytics into beta, so I'm now completely obsessed by looking at numbers and trying to figure out what you listeners think to these podcasts. Anything you could do along those lines would be very much appreciated. So thanks again for listening and we'll be back again with another episode next week.